Well, good morning. Uh, it's great to be with you guys today. Uh, today is uh, a day that I am uh, kind of doing this live as opposed to pre-recorded, which is why I'm not outside in my sunny backyard, but I'm upstairs. <laughs> um, and uh, if you got an e email this week, we, um, we said that in light of events that have happened uh, around our nation, really around the world, and even in our own backyards, that we wanted to take today as a day of prayer, uh, of mourning, of repentance, and of seeking the Lord together. I'd like to frame uh, the good news this morning in light of a few different passages uh, from the Old Testament that I think are uh, pertinent to uh, what our nation is experiencing today. Uh, the first is Isaiah 1, verses 14 to 20. It says that your feasts, this is the Lord, your feasts and your appointed festivals I hate with all my being. They have become a burden to me. I'm weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer many prayers, I am not listening. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong, he says to Israel. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Come now, let us settle a matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. But if you resist and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Micah 6, verses 6 to 8 says, With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Psalm 82, verses 2 to 4 say, How long will you defend the unjust and show partiality to the wicked? Defend the weak and the fatherless. Uphold the cause of the poor and the oppressed. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. Family into a world and a nation caught up in brutality and injustice built on systems that take advantage of the weak and discriminate against people for the color of their skin. We declare good news today that God sees the brutality, he hears the cries of injustice, and he stands on the side of the oppressed. And today, brothers and sisters, he invites you and me, his people, to join with him. Uh, this has been a brutal, brutal week. And it's been representative of, of a longer period of time, a video has come out uh, of a young man named George Floyd who had a police officer kneel on his neck for nine minutes 
literally squeezing the life out of him while he cried out for his deceased mom. There are reports of a woman named Brianna Taylor who was shot multiple times while she slept in her apartment because uh, law enforcement officers had the wrong address. Several weeks ago, there's a man named Ahmad Arbery who was shot twice while jogging by a father and son just a few miles from his home in broad daylight. And there are thousands more, literally thousands more, who have been brutalized in many ways where there was no video or no account to record it. And I am devastated that we live in a society that in many ways has allowed these types of actions against black and brown people to perpetuate again and again and again. I've reached out and talked with many of uh, black pastors and friends this week from Philadelphia and from South Jersey. And they're so frustrated and fed up and tired and devastated. I, I've cried more this week, I think, since I have since my mom passed four years ago. And I just think, how many times does this need to happen for our nation to finally, finally wake up that there's a problem? I believe that God is trying to get our attention. He's trying to wake us up. He's trying to help us to see that the, the roots of systemic racism are baked into the foundation of our country. And, and I think part of the reason why I've shed so many tears this week is that I'm starting to wake up and mourn the America that I know, which isn't the America that so many of my black and brown brothers and sisters have experienced. We've, we've experienced two different nations, even though we've grown up in the same country. And I know this, the issues that are plaguing our country are complex and deep and confusing. And we may not all agree on the solutions. And we certainly don't understand every facet of the problem. But we aren't called to understand it. Because the good news is that we have a God who sees the brutality who hears the cries of injustice, who stands on the side of the oppressed. And today he invites you and me as people to join him there. Now, I mentioned three different passages about how God feels about peoples who are oppressed. And I could name hundreds, literally hundreds more. Jeremiah 22, Proverbs 31, Psalm 147, and on and on and on and on. So what do we do? What do we do knowing that God stands on the side of those who are oppressed, those who are marginalized, those who've been traumatized and brutalized? And I know many of you have been asking that same question. I've been asking it of myself. How do we join our God? What do we do? And truthfully, I, I don't know fully. As someone who's enjoyed a privileged place in society who hasn't had to face the things, these things personally that others have had to face. I, I don't have all the answers. I'm trying my best in these days to be a good listener and a good learner. As I read books, 
by black theologians and Christian leaders and talk with those that are directly affected. And yes, there are those who are directly affected in our community. And after talking and reading and praying and searching the scriptures, I think there are some things that we can be doing now to stand with God and with our brothers and sisters of color. The first is to acknowledge the problem. Ecclesiastes 4.1 says, I looked and saw all the oppression that was taking place under the sun. I saw the tears of the oppressed and they have no comforter. Power was on the side of their oppressors and they have no comforter. I think we as a church, we as individuals, we need to acknowledge that there is a deep, deep problem here to not turn our eyes away from it, to intentionally look at it, even if we don't understand it, even if we think that it might not exist. One friend of mine described it this way. He says, what you don't understand is that we've been in a a virus pandemic for the last 11 weeks. We've been on lockdown in our homes. Things have changed for us. But what you don't understand is that for us, this this one act that George Floyd endured is not just uh, an isolated event. And these are not just a string of isolated events by a few bad apples. There is a pandemic of bigotry that that I and my family and my race have, have had to endure. And it hasn't just been 11 weeks for us, but lifetimes. I think that's such an appropriate metaphor because just like the coronavirus, you and I may not be directly affected. You may not have contracted the virus, but just because you can't see it and just because you aren't directly affected by it does not mean that it's not here. It's shattering lives and families and homes. And I think for us, it begins by acknowledging the tears of the oppressed. And then what do we do when we acknowledge it? I think, I, I think the Christian response to devastation and heartbreak should always first be to lament. To lament, to cry out to God like the psalmist and just go, how long, O Lord? It's a way of identifying with the sorrow that others are experiencing. It's a way of declaring solidarity. It's a way of saying, even if I don't directly experience the hurt, the hurt that, that others experience is the hurt that's on God's heart. And so God share that burden with me. I lament that this is happening in our country. I mourn the death of the America that I thought I knew. So we acknowledge, we lament, and we weep with the hurting. I've had so many interactions with black friends and pastors this week. And, and to be honest, I, I haven't known what to say. I haven't known how to respond. With, with one uh, friend, I just, I just said, hey, I, I'm sorry. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. But what I said to him is, you have my attention and you have my tears. And, and I think that's important. If you have friends that are, 
that, that feel the effect of this, please reach out to them. Let them know that you're listening. Let them know that you care. Let them know that the pain that they feel is pain that you feel too. We weep with the hurting. And then we speak out against injustice. Ephesians 5.11 says, Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Friends, it's okay for Christians to say, This is not right. It's okay for us to stand up for inju to, against injustice, to stand up for what's right. To, to let people of color know that, that these issues affect us too, and we care about them, and, and we, we don't know what to do, but we can't let it stand. So we speak out. And then last, which might be the most difficult for us, it's certainly difficult for me, is to repent of our own injustices. Nehemiah uh, is, is this amazing portrait of a leader, of a man who uh, hears about the destruction of his nation, hears about the, how, how it's literally crumbling to the ground, and, and he's in exile. He's, he's thousands of miles away, and yet he cries out to God, and he says, I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you, O Lord. Now, Nehemiah has never stepped foot in Jerusalem. He's lived his entire life in exile, thousands of miles away, and yet he says, I am part of the issue here. God, show me the error of my own ways. My family, my community has contributed to this problem, God. And so I, I confess that to you. And friends, I, I, I think that's a great place for us to start is to look at our own hearts and ask God to, to just break them for the situation that we see around us. And then Micah reminds us to, to act justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with God. That what the Lord requires of us is not greater religious fervency in these days. It's not to go on as if nothing's going on but it's to be people of justice, mercy, and humility. We say we, we don't know what to do, but we want to do something to help undo the actions and the, and the systems that have oppressed so many. We want to work towards mercy that doesn't just condemn the oppressors, but brings people together in love and, 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 and is the, the glue in our society that helps reconciliation happen. And we want to be people of humility that go, I, I, I acknowledge that I don't see the full picture. That, that even if I disagree with what's happening or disagree with the way that others are experiencing it, I can walk with humility, realizing that I don't see it fully. I don't have all the answers. And so I just, I will walk in justice, mercy, and love, even if I don't know what to do. It's so easy to feel overwhelmed, family. But this week, I, I made a long overdue commitment to many of my hurting black and brown friends that I and our church would be an ally in this struggle against racism, that we would be bridge builders that partner together so that we can demonstrate this good news of reconciliation to the world, that when we say that Jesus has come from the Father, that we might be one,
that we have walked that out with our words and with our deeds. And I don't know what that looks like, family, but it begins with prayer. And that's why I've called us to dedicate this morning as a time of prayer. Prayer for our nation, prayer for the oppressed, and prayer for the oppressors. We're called to love our enemies and pray for those that persecute us. And so they're included too. Justice is not done until they see that they are, 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 are image bearers of God and that they have, they, that they have um, uh, harmed other image bearers of God. But that God does not hold their sins against them. He stands ready to wash us white as snow. All of us. And so we, we want to use this time to pray. And so I ask you, would you join me? Would you join me in prayer? And we're going to spend the next several minutes just crying out to God, asking for forgiveness, asking for humility, asking for love and justice to flow in our nation. I'm going to start us off and then um, you can feel free to unmute yourself to pray. We realize that this is a bit of a, you know, not a very natural environment to, to pray. It might feel awkward. You, you might unmute yourself and somebody unmutes themselves at the same time. And there may be a little bit of, of awkwardness to know who goes next or first or whatever. And so just be patient with one another. But I just encourage you, even if it's just, Lord, help us. Would you contribute your voice to the prayers of God's people today? Father, we come before you broken and humble. God, I, I, I mourn for our nation. That the original sin of our country that devastated so many at the beginning is not put to death today. God, I... I I, I just, I wrestle and I mourn for my brothers and my sisters. I lament the fact that so many of them have had to have talks with their kids about how to respond to, to the police or to white people when they begin to, to experience confrontation. I lament the fact that they are so fearful that their kids are going to grow up and have their lives cut short. And I know if that were my kids, I would. But they're your kids, God. They're your children. And so we lament on their behalf and we, we ask you, God, we know that you stand on the side of the oppressed, but we ask you, God, to, to protect and defend. And God, would you raise up your people to be a force of reconciliation in the world? Not standing in accusation, not, not, not 
falling into one political camp or another, but being a force in the world for the kingdom of God to reign, for Jesus to come and bring people together so that everyone might be seen as an image bearer of God, as a son and daughter of the king who is beloved and cherished and has worth and dignity and value in this world. Come, Lord Jesus.